When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Blakey's Boot Room, the number one Cardiff City podcast. Brought to you by Wales Online. Hello and welcome to Blakey's Boot Room podcast, brought to you by Wales Online and in association with Giovanni's. There's a win and a defeat for Cardiff City for us to discuss today. I'm Dominic Booth, joined as always by Nathan Blake. Good afternoon, my friend. And Ian Mitchell-Moore standing in. Good afternoon, everyone. Nice Best to have you. you both. Nice to have Ian in. Yeah, nice to have a bit of a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone who speaks sense for a change. <laughs> is this uh, is this episode going to be called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly then? Because I feel like that's what the last two games have been for Cardiff City. Okay. From the, um, the higher beaten Wolves on Friday night to... The London Stadium last night, which is a bit eerie anyway, mm. but it did feel a little bit flat, Nathan, and and Cardiff almost threw it away in in a couple of key moments in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've only seen the I've only seen the highlights of the game, but um, I always say the put the, the the start is so important, or the first goal is. So if I was to reflect on last night's game, I'm not going to say it's anyone's fault. But I would say you have to take that penalty chance. Yeah. Right? I, because that alters the mind frame, the mindset of everybody. You know what I mean? I think uh, I think when you get opportunities like that, and I, I, I noticed Neil after the game was, was you know quite blasé about it, but he'll be knowing deep down he's probably saying that um, that way just to keep everybody you know, calm and onside and what have you. But opportunities like that, they don't come along. Uh, very often, and you, you know, there's, there's no other way than to say you've got to take that opportunity from the penalty spot. Mm. Uh, you still might go on to lose the game, but what you do is give yourself a, a better opportunity of getting something out of the game. I think if you take that penalty. So, all in all, look, it was you know you wouldn't say it was a great performance, but then I don't think the performance against Wolves was great. Um, the result was fantastic, and was probably the only thing that mattered. But um, you wouldn't say in the last two games that Cardiff have played well. They've almost uh, they've they were they've almost gone back to where they were at the start of the season when it comes to playing wise and retention mm. of ball uh, and passing. Like I thought against Wolves and last night, very sloppy. Give the ball away too often. They they're not keeping possession of the ball. Um, there was only know, really that spell in the West Ham game where. The, Sort of ten fifteen minutes. It looked like they've started here. Gunnarsson was getting on the ball, mm. and then the penalty came. And mm. like you said, they had to capitalise on yeah. that moment yeah. to grow into the game because you felt like West Ham were using that as motivation as soon as the save went. Well, as soon as the save happens, it's, it's, it's like scoring yeah. a goal, and the, the London Stadium then takes off. Yeah, it's no different to when we equalise against um, Wolves. I said on 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 radio, if we equalise, we'll win the game, no problem, mm. because. What happened is the crowd is engaged already, right? Uh, and against Wolves, they were having to they were having to hold back their singing 
once they went one nil down. But you knew if they if Wolves score a second, then they'll probably quieten the place. But if we get it, then you know this crowd is going to engage back and they're going to drive the team. You've literally seen it drive the team to another goal and over the line. Ian, was there a difference in resilience that Cardiff showed in these two games? Because against West Ham, something goes against them, they miss a penalty, and then they crumble in 12 minutes after the, after half-time. In the Wolves game, they fought back, having conceded that first goal, as they've often done this season. It seemed to be the character wasn't there at, at the London Stadium, was it? Um, I'm not sure I'd entirely agree with that. I mean, yes, it, on the reflection, it does look like that, because they've, they've gone and conceded three goals in the space of, what, 15 minutes, was it? But... They, they, they were mistakes. I don't think it was a, an issue more of resilience because they've shown that with, you know, they've had three wins this season and they've come from behind in all three. So I don't really think you can question the mentality or the resilience of the squad. But Concentration, I, maybe? Or? Well, that, that's absolutely one of them. And, you know, like you say, whose responsibility was it to clear that first one? Was it Sean Morrison or was it Joe Bennett? You know, between the two of them, they messed up and gifted West Ham the opener, probably against the runner play at that point in the game as well. And I think Nathan touched on it there really when. West Ham were the, much the better side in the first probably 30-35 minutes Cardiff just started to get into the game and all of a sudden they get a penalty out of nowhere and that's you know they go 1-0 up and it's all ifs buts and maybes as always but that totally changes everything and all of a sudden just as Cardiff had a chance to start making an impact on the game as they were growing into it it's gone straight away in it's the brutal in the Premier League you don't get you don't get another one they're finding that out so often and there's only so many times where you can rely on this team spirit and resilience to get you in these positions where you go behind and come, you know, come back to get a point or a win because yeah, you, might, you can't keep doing it you might get six or seven games that you'll win like that in a season but he, over the course of a season you know that you cannot be relying upon determination spirit and you know character which they've been showing in, in abundance but I think between you know after I would say probably Huddersfield Newcastle they did start, uh, I mean, we've discussed it on here many yeah, times, they did start to retain the ball better. They did start to mix their game up a bit. They did start to create chances. A couple of the goals they had scored were, you know, seven, eight, nine passes with a f- tap in on the end of it. So you you would stand, to, I would stand to believe that they would, they had to mix their game up. And I still believe they have to mix their game up because you look at someone like the game against Wolves, and I'm referring to Wolves because I've seen and watched it live, Someone like Bowley, I thought he was outstanding for Wolves. I, I thought he should be at Man United or Real Madrid. He looked unbelievable. And what it done was totally then took away the Patterson hold-up flick-on. Right? Yeah. So if you can't hold up and flick on, then I always say you need to move him. You need to shift him. Well, Patterson's not, he's not going to run in behind. He's not, as I said before, I'm not a natural striker. Right? So once Bowley took away his flick-on ability... And was you know up against him and battling and, and and beating him in the air quite frankly for most of the game. Cardiff have to then find a different platform to play off. You can't just keep you know it's not going to me knocking the ball up to you, Dom, knowing that nine times out of ten Ian's going to come over the top and beat you well, because he's done it for twenty minutes, thirty minutes, forty minutes. There's no one close to okay, me. Okay, well, so yeah. Get close. Second half, I need to think right. If I'm of a Patterson, I'm going to say to the lads, listen. <laughs> I just can't get above this kid, so I'm going to play off to the side of him. I'm going to stand to the side of him. And every time you look at me, I'm going to be in behind, coming short to go in behind, or coming in behind to come short. But just which whichever my first movement is, play the second one. 
Right, yeah. Yeah, understand that. If you see me drop my shoulder to go behind him, I'm coming short and vice versa. So just just change the pattern, change the flow, or change the personnel. And go with a, a, a like a deck of Dover who's going to just be in and, and say, right, we're just going to play down the channels then. But, and I know Neil Warnock will have his reasons for this. But I, I wrote a piece this morning reflecting on, on the team selection. His selection for the away games at Everton and West Ham, for me, are a little too compact, a little bit too negative, I would say. Right, in uh, what sense? Uh, can you packing be a the bit mid- more I definitive? They're, they're packing the midfield, so there's, there's Rouse, Arta and Gunnison, mm. whereas we've discussed on this podcast before, I think you only need two of them, mm-hmm. and then Camarasso in a more central position. Mm. And Camarasso's been a bit wasted out on the right, mm. and I think it's quite harsh on Kadeem Harris, actually, to have dropped him for the last couple of games. I think even though Murphy has scored a couple of goals... Uh, for me, when Kadim has got into the team, he's probably showed the most intent and purpose. Um, his first game was he was a bit wary after ten minutes, fifteen minutes, but I think we equalised and then he got into the game. And all he does, I love him because he just he he's got that bit of aggression in him, and he, he he doesn't mind if you beat him, but he is looking to get in behind you every time, or he's looking to get at you every time, or almost every time. Which for a winger that. That is your bread and butter. That's that's your job. Get in and produce chances, score goals. And you mentioned Decker Dover Reed hasn't wasn't seen at all against mm. West Ham. Mm. You know, it's ten million pounds Cardiff spent. I don't know if you've got a thoughts on this as well, Ian. Are they gonna find a way of getting in, him into that team? Yeah, where do you put him? But that, that's the, the same old question. Do you, do you play him as a? You talk about Blakey's talking about getting yeah. someone close to Patterson, or maybe Warnock feels he, that leaves his midfield exposed. I don't know. Well, but the game he won, yeah. he played him as a ten. And we've spoken about him because he will do a shift defensively. And he did a great shift defensively. And scored a brilliant goal. And we haven't seen him since. I think Cardiff's two best performances of this season, in my opinion, at home to Fulham and actually at home to Arsenal from an attacking point of view. I think both. And that's what I think was Decker Doreen's best performance individually as well, I think. But um, go back to the opening day. Obviously, Zahor was a surprise admission. He was injured in in, in the week. And... Reed played up top on his own and he just didn't get a look in through no fault of his own they were playing quite direct and he was just totally out muscled and bullied and they didn't go in behind which would have suited him as well so in that sense you do feel you probably would have to play him as a 10 but then who's he behind so you can play you you can play him as a 9 right but the problem with with, and you've just touched on it there but haven't realised when he plays as a 9 like against Bournemouth right because there was no ball retention, okay, so if you're putting the ball down the channel from within your final third, so say 10 yards outside your 18-yard box, it's so easy for a defender to read. The line of the defender is always three or four yards off you. The centre-back stood in the space. If not, the right-back is stood in the space or left-back. Either so you're or. covered either way. So yeah. you're covered either way. So what it becomes is a ball that's down the channel and you run as a centre-forward behind just to put pressure on hoping to get a corner or a free kick or a throw-in, right? Whereas if you retain the ball and move up into the mid-third, over around the halfway line, what happens then uh, is, me as a centre-forward, as soon as the ball's transferred from, say, Dominic's the right-back into you, central midfield, you and I know, right, depending on that ball, how it's rolling, I know you don't have to take a touch. And you will see out of the corner of your peripheral he's already going right that is how you see sometimes you think 
are, it's easy to get in behind the defence, but if you notice, what happens is it's very difficult from the, the deep position, unless someone's switched off or is not concentrating, and someone's wandered off them and they're in. And but I think that, that deep position, like you said, Cardiff generally do start from... That's where they start from, the, but they're the not team. able to get the yeah. strikers in like Reed because they're too deep. Mm. And at the Premier League, the defenders are better, so they're already stood in the position, the right position, mm. 99.9 times out of 100. So, you know, Cardiff, have, that's why when they started to retain the ball better and play a bit more football, I thought, right, yeah, strikers now, it doesn't matter about size. If you're getting up to the halfway line and you've made a few passes, me as a striker, it doesn't matter if I'm tall, short, quick. Yeah, you know, I can, I can, I can make the movements off the patterns we're playing. Ian knows my runs. Dominic knows my runs. We all like in training. We've been doing it. We've got sort of a sixth sense going on. So, but without that ball. You're just kicking it away, basically, for them to bring it back to you. And we did actually see that in the end with the goal for Callum Patterson, the, the equaliser against um, uh, Brighton, wasn't it? The, to make it one all, obviously, with the way they passed through the middle and ended they up getting across it, into the they? box. They, we, have, we have seen it. They could so definitely do it. I thought there the was, argument a, there was a couple of passages of play against West Ham I go back to that I thought, blimey, this is, this is proper stuff. You know, mm. Gunnarsson was actually at the heart of it. So anyone that thinks that he's just a sort of a, an enforcer in that midfield position, I think it's been proven wrong. I think he's probably been we've arguably, arguably the best a, player this season. We've always said I wouldn't put him there. I would say probably since he came back, Manga. Like I'd say Manga's Manga. probably been our best player this season. Yeah. Um, with Etheridge, uh, Bamba, um, yeah, Gunnarsson's up there definitely. But I've always said, Dom, people underrate him and think he's just an enforcer. He's not. He's got a very good passing range. Very, very good passing range. And he can play at any level. That's what I love him. He doesn't look out of place. Like Iceland, England, you know, when they play in the Euros, yeah, the doesn't look Cup. out of place. World Cup doesn't look out of place. He's actually very important and a very important part of the Icelandic team. So, you know, he's not someone who you say, right, we need another holding midfielder. You've got a very good holding midfielder, you know, so that's, that slots in nice. You can put someone alongside him or one in front of him or two in front of him. It's up, up to you. But, um, yeah, I agree. I think he's uh, I think he's not given the credit he deserves often. And just to go back to the uh, the Wolves game, Cardiff obviously fielded, fielded a completely different system in that game. Mm. Warnock admitted it was a big risk playing, I think, Camarasa and Hoyler as the wing-backs, which mm. maybe wouldn't repeat that again. But is that system... A way of maybe getting Reed into the team, like we said, and a way of still playing with three in midfield. I think it is, but you can't play Camarasa in there because Camarasa was just making up for well, the central midfielders. You play him as one of the. Well, you play him as the ten. You know, the problem is you can't play Camarasa because if you watch the game, he was part of the reason why we lost our shape and couldn't keep the ball. Well, he's at not. Times he's not because, a wing back, is Yeah, he? but he's, he, he's 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 played right wing, and he's we know it's not his best position, but in that system as a wing back. He drifted inside so many times, which is natural. You go in to get the ball. And I was I was saying, there's already three central midfielders. So when the ball would come to Bamba, and he's looking for the outlet of Camarasa, Camarasa was often inside, you know, in, in over on just central, just right of centre. And my, What you're saying makes sense, though, because Camarasa... 
is so much better with the ball than without the ball. Yeah, yeah. He, he, well, we all know that. He's, he's brilliant with the ball. But he has to be put somewhere where that, that's utilised rather than... Yeah, Because yeah. Neil Warnock likes his wingers to do a lot of work yeah, down yeah. without shift, the ball. Yeah, yeah, shift, so. most, most... And that's why I was surprised that Kadeem doesn't because what Kadeem will do on top of everything else is put a shift in. Mm. So they've just got to find... I think they still yet to find a balance. Excuse me, and at times where they've won games, like... I thought after Fulham, maybe Reed would stay in the in the team for a bit. Um, a few good performances from Harris. I thought right, he's in. After Brighton, I thought he definitely. Uh, in for yeah, yeah, but you know they've not quite um, for whatever reason they're not sticking to you know the same eleven. And I understand it doesn't go that way these days. You tend to rotate your team and rotate your squad, but at the moment I would just be trying to focus on you know getting a solid. 12 or 13 that I am playing then that get used to playing together and can form some patterns because it seems they get they get a result team might change personnel might change shape might change and then it's almost start again for them at the moment I just don't think they're adverse as some other teams of being able to switch um, personnel and system yeah square pegs and round holes is what a lot of people are saying on social media it's it's difficult because you need to do it you know, I've said on the programme many times, they need to be able to go to a back three, they need to go to a back four, they need to have you know, three central midfielders, they need to play two holders, one ahead, vice versa, one holding two ahead. So they need to be able to develop these systems of play. But when you do, you've got to be able to retain the ball. It's no good switching your system if, you, if it doesn't improve your possession of the ball. Right, well, let's take a quick break then and we'll, uh, we'll have a debate. You're listening to Blakey's Boot Room from Wales Online. So welcome back and welcome back to the podcast to Paul Abandonato who has just joined us. Obviously looking in and look at, feeling a little bit envious that he wasn't involved. Ghosted in, like the, the ghost uh, of Christmas past. He's the, he's the Josh Murphy of the podcast, brought on later on to try and make an impact. <laughs> Paul, oh. go on then, we'll give, you, give us your thoughts on the, uh, on the West Ham game and we'll, um, then we'll get on to our debate. Uh, love your ratings, Tom. Well, that I gave my favourite Joe Rowles a three your, out of ten. Love your ratings. Okay. Uh, that's how to do a set of ratings. I'm really afraid I had to. I first half was fine. I'm sure you've said all this already. First half was fine. Second half was a. I just didn't see that capitulation coming. Fair enough. Let's move on. Yeah, we okay. agree. <laughs> and what did, wait, he didn't. We didn't give him a chance to say about the Wolves game. What do you think of the Wolves game? That was a wonderful evening. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go <laughs> then the chalk and Never say that he doesn't sway Lakey, with which way the result goes. Evening. All I would say about West Ham is, and I'm sure you've touched on this, but I'm going to make the point as well. Why are Cardiff playing four centre midfielders in the same team? I just made that point, haven't um, I? You know, you, you, you know you, if you're playing 4 3 2 one, four, two, three, one, whatever you want to call the modern system, the fluid system, 4 5 one, four, three, three, you play four defenders, you play three centre mids with one slightly further forward in Carter's case it needs to be Camarasa two wide men and a striker mm. what you don't do is weaken one of the wide positions by putting Camarasa there what, what a, however good a player he is doesn't have the natural pace for a winger 
And yeah. then we just said he just went inside all day. Camarasa not being where he should be in the centre. Killed Bruno. Weakens, weakens that position. Killed Bruno Manga. So, so many times he yeah, had the ball was looking just to slot out to the wing back and Camarasa was inside. I, so. I was shuddering watching I Felipe really, Anderson go up against Manga. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't really fair to mm, him because he's mm, not a right back. Mm, you need I'm, a great right back if you're going to go against Felipe Anderson. Yeah, but he... He, he, he did alright. Uh, he did, he did and well. against uh, when... Costa would uh, switch. Yeah. Uh, I thought right from the get-go in Wolves, I thought Bruno, uh, Costa tried to run him, and Bruno just stuck pace with him, done something, and they come out. he come out with the ball as well. And I would say almost every duel between him, those two... It's like you've got a, fun, a, a well-trained artist, mm. and you, you, he's working on a building site. You know? you can't, not being allowed to do what he's best at doing. Mm-hmm. The point I want to make about the midfield is that this is not a personal thing. I think it's really important to stress that. It's about the blend and balance of the team. Mm. Um, and hopefully that blend and balance will be corrected mm. for what's an absolute must-win game against Southampton this week. Well, we will come to that. Let's first of all talk about the Cardiff City defence because Neil Warnock made some interesting comments after the West Ham game when asked whether he might pursue defensive recruits in January as well, obviously he's talked about needing a striker uh, and a defensive midfielder as well, but he pretty much said he'd be happy if he didn't get another defender, which surprised me given the nature of Cardiff's defensive performance at West Ham, Nathan. Mm. And we've, we've talked about it time and time again, the need for a proper right-back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've spoken to him at times and he has mentioned to me that, you know, a right back is, is is something they're looking for. So I don't know. Maybe he thought you meant the central defender. I don't know, but he has expressed to me on numerous occasions. They know, and it's no nothing against Bruno. I think Bruno's, like I said, probably player of the year for me up to this point. Uh, playing out of position, that is, you know, I salute him massively. So you know, I'd still. I would shift Bruno inside, as I've said before, alongside Bamba, uh, and I would go and get a, a proper right back who can defend and get forward. Because attacking is is what's the the really name of the game. What they're missing in that position defensively. That's why Bruno does a great job defensively. But going forward, naturally, he's not. That's not his game. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, even worse when you consider like someone against Wolves. You've got Camarasso, who's naturally a central midfielder, who keeps drifting inside. So when Bruno has the ball, he's got very little option but to play up the um, Patterson, who's getting dominated by Bowley. So you don't retain the ball. Hence why Wolves were... It's that imbalance word again. Well, I felt it was Wolves were more complacent. They felt like they were going to score the second goal at some point. And their counter-attack was really poor. Decision-making poor. But once Cardiff got the equaliser... That was it, one winner. And why do you think Ian Warnock is loath to criticise his defence? I mean, if there was a chance to do it, I would say it was after we spoke about the mix-up between Bennett and Morrison. Mm. The marking from a set-piece again was, was found wanting. He didn't, he didn't choose to criticise them again. Yeah, I mean, as, as it's, the, it's the defence that got them up, so he's obviously sticking by them and credit to him for that, but... Privately, he'll obviously be having his words as well. Let's obviously not not forget that. But you know, like you say, it's we've touched on Manga already, and he's he's playing in that role which isn't his best, and he's probably being is it probably fair to say he's been the best defender this season. I think, mm. even in a position that's not naturally his best, 
and he hasn't had that outlet ahead of him on the right wing either. So he's been really handicapped, and he's still done a very good job in a position well, that's not his best either. So, as well, so he does, but that's that's the question. Then, so if they do get a full back in, what does it mean for Bangi, uh, Manga? Does he does he replace Bamber Morrison in? The centre back, so is that is that the end for him? Well, Nathan would so, say that he there we are. for Morrison, I think, that, wouldn't you? But that's a tough call. It's a tough yeah. call. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's again, that's that's a whole new debate entirely. But then, if if you're sticking with the rest of the defence, then you know, if if he does bring in another right back, that if Warnock does stick with Bamber and Morrison, then probably the best defender gets left out. So that's what you have to do, so isn't it? Really I mean, do it we talk about Joe Rowles, and maybe maybe he needs to be left out now, and, and despite being fantastic <gasps> this season. Is that, did those words just come from his mouth, boy? Lately, I rated him 3 out of 10 <gasps> against West Ham. Can you believe what I just heard? I'm sorry, Joe, it's not personal, but 3 out of 10 was deserved. Okay. And that maybe needs to happen with either Morrison or Bamber, as tough as that may be. Paul going countenance leaving Bamber out, I know, because he's been on the, on the boot oh, room. No, no, I think we've got more credibility than that. In terms, <laughs> of, in terms of the first goal the other night, I wasn't too perturbed about that, to be honest. So that was a lack of communication between Morrison and Bennett. That can be resolved. What worried me is that they've conceded yet another goal from a set piece, and instead of being, you know, we thought Cardiff coming out, they were the set, they would be the set piece kings. No, I didn't. No, I know you didn't, but no, that, was, didn't. that was that was something that you're up against a different, totally different, but it was being level said, of player. Clear, clearly, it's been their strength. Yeah, but this years. is what I was saying in the in the in the, in the from the get go, Paul. Right. So the problem for me before people were saying, "Oh, set pieces, set pieces," that you can become a team reliant upon set pieces, right? You rely on possession of football, right? Or counter-attacking football. That is your relying. That is the... Because you might play in a game where you only get two or three set pieces. And they might be not corners, they might be deep free kicks or whatever. So when you're going up a level to a Premier League where the, the, the overwhelming majority of teams are about ball retention... And you're saying at the beginning of the season, we're going to give you that ball and we're going to sit back and we're going to let you attack us. And then what we'll do is rely on our count, uh, on our set pieces. Well, hey-ho, you're only getting 30% of the ball. And in the 30% of the ball, you're only, instead of like last year, getting 15, 20 corners, you are now only getting three or four. So straight away, your average, your ratios are way down. So if Morrison doesn't get on or Bamba doesn't get on the end of a set piece of those three or four attempts, whereas last year you had another eight attempts, this year you haven't. So straight away your whole your whole ethos of what you're trying to build on is probably cut by more than a half. That's bang on. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that works in reverse then in terms of the opposition actually have a lot more set pieces and so maybe we're being a little bit unfair, saying Cardiff conceding too many because they're actually defending a lot. Yeah, I don't. I, I, it, but they, that's but a product the, of their style. It, of it was play. mentioned against Wolves, wasn't it? Uh, I think Gary Neville said to Sean Morrison about, or oh, he conceded, or oh, Carragher conceded another goal from a set piece. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I look and I just think, well, it's not that they're conceding. They're, okay, you might say they've conceded a lot of goals from set pieces, but it's because. The opposition is getting the ball a lot more than Cardiff. If you look at the percentage stats, usually, it's like Cardiff are between 32 and 37% possession. They hardly ever, there's probably three or four games after the Arsenal game where they got into the 40s, low 40s. But they hardly ever close 
even close on ball retention. It's huge, and we thought that was changing, and it, it, it hasn't. It's kind of reverted. To counter that, Blake, you probably look at a team like Burnley last season. Mm. They were averaging 30% possession mm. most games, I think, and... Mm. But they, they had didn't a, concede any, any yeah, goals. Well, well, there's a there's a difference there because you've got a platform that you're playing off. So you're playing up to a, a Volks, or you're playing up to uh, what's the other lad's name? Volks. Uh, and you've got a situation where when you're counterattacked, then you're you're able to um, complete your counterattack, usually with a shot or a goal or something like that, because you've got someone who's playing off and giving you that retention of ball when you need it. It's as simple as that. But Cardiff, without that ball retention, like I mentioned, it's all linked in the link song. Without the, someone to hold that ball up, and when we do have it, be able to counter-attack off a platform, then you're going to struggle. It's as no rest by is there? Absolutely not. That's why I'm... Lo- I'm Maybe Neil Warnock is loath to go against his defenders because he understands that. It all goes back to that, that question of a, of a striker and why we keep talking about certain Mr. Kenneth Zahor and, and why he's not firing... Paul, just um, as a side note, what did you make of Warnock's latest comments about Zahor, which frankly seem to have I haven't seen put him virg- virtually on the, on the verge of an exit? What did he say? Well, it was basically. Um, Are you still getting over it? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I don't like to see my friend like that. Come on, you okay? Well, it was some melancholy tones to play Go on, repeat it. Go on. I can't remember it word for word, but it was along the lines of I cannot do any more. Other than cooking his dinner, wasn't it? Well, was no, he said something more like, recently, something like that. That. and someone someone said, "Are you, fr- are you no, frustrated with Ken as a whole, Neil?" Oh, and, yeah, and he said, "I think you're being really kind yeah, to really say kind. frustrated," yeah. and he couldn't honestly say how he feels at the moment about Zahor. He said he so much talent in those legs, and you just yeah, frustrated. Said, There's nothing he, more he can do. Is but it? he also said that with his talent, I think he used the words, "He should be tearing up this division." Was mm-hmm. about the Premier League here, Blakey. That may be an exaggeration from, from Warner, but that's what he said. So there's always that rider, and that's what creates frustration. We haven't got to about Zor again, have we? No, we yeah, haven't, but I just so thought his latest comments were... He's probably, he's probably saying it. See, what, what you've got to understand is the mind game. So the, the manager, uh, that's why I say he, he's been fantastic at times, because it's, it's easy for him to say, trust me, it's easy for him to go public and say... You know, Ken's not giving us nothing. It's, it's been a waste of time this season, right? Which is what everyone is witnessing, right? Okay, then he's saying, oh, he got a little injury, he's looking after him that way, blah, 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 blah. But even that comment, saying what he's saying there, he's still not sliced and diced him. He's still saying to you, you can rip the league up if you get the bit between your teeth. I think that's because so it's he's not So he's still giving him. He's still... I, I think even... To be honest with you, mate, if they get a strike or they don't, managers hate... See, it's like money going to waste, isn't it? Mm. It's like someone giving you a pile of money and then burning it. You know, it's not doing anything for you. You want it to work for you. You know what I mean? And he knows Kenneth has the ability to work for him and his team and is imp- and could be an important part of that. So, so when, when does the light bulb moment come? It's probably coming past for Neil. Neil's that experience. He'll know... Like if I had this time again, I probably would have sold him when people were asking twenty million for him. But those are the breaks. Sometimes you get them right, sometimes you get them wrong. Simple. It's funny how things change in football. We we were batting away those bids and saying, "Oh, Cardiff won't sell them at what the price." And mm. uh, if only you could turn back time. <laughs> he was absolutely that. indispensable. It was the first day of la- last, last season. Yeah. 
Um, up, it was the first day, and the bid had come in from Brighton. It was a Saturday morning. It wasn't the first day. It was, it was about third week as I was on the way to Wolves. So maybe it was the first. I was doing Swansea Man United that day. That's probably the first day of the Premier League that season. Yeah, I think it was but, third week. But Sorry was, about the language. But it was. It was. <laughs> I remember when that it came out on this on the Saturday morning, and, and yeah, I was devastated because I thought selling your best player, which is what he was at the time. Selling your best player, that was a statement of we're not going up. Whereas keeping your best player, which is what he was at the time, was a statement of we are going to give this a real go this season. And it was a big call for, for that money to be turned down by Cardiff. A, a huge call. But they turned it down for not just football reasons, but other reasons as well. Stability. Yeah, the yeah. fact that they were building the club together. It seems an eternity ago, but it was only the start of last season. Um and how, how, you know, and of course he followed that by tearing up the championship against John Terry and James Chester and Leeds, fantastic performance. Well, last season? Yeah, but how? I wouldn't go that far, you know, Paul. Say, he said he had a half-decent season, but... Goals, was it? He yeah, yeah, I know he had injuries as well. No, but that's what I'm yeah. saying, he started the season like that, yeah? Okay. He okay. started it like that, and then how it's changed in the intervening 12 months? Mm. 13 months? Yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. It's like a quite a moment of reflection there for all of us. Uh, right, let's take Can I get a moment of silence? <laughs> let's take another um, short break and then we'll go into some questions uh, for Nathan. Subscribe to The Boot Room on iTunes or listen on walesonline.co.uk. So thick and fast here, Nathan. Lots of have come in. Obviously, two games for people to reflect on. Here we go. Come on, then. Um, this is a good one from Ed Rhodes, um, joining on what we've just said. All right, Ed. He says, eight seasons since Cardiff had a top goal scorer with more than 20 goals. No, I left in 19. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, um, is there something in the water just beyond this season why Cardiff can't have a 20-plus goal striker? I, do, I, I really I can't answer that question, mate. I, there's too many... Conflicting issues. We've just mentioned Kenneth Zaha. Uh, we've also mentioned someone like Reed, who's not playing and then played well and then gone back out again. And Bobby Reed scored twenty goals last season. Yeah, it's you know, is the fact they're in the Premier League, not the Championship. You know, is the fact that you don't keep ball retention enough. Is the fact that we only play one way, really and truly. So if you're playing like with a with a Reed or someone like who's smaller. It's going to be difficult, hence why Patterson has become the number one striker. So there's all different reasons and circumstances why. So that's I can't answer that. I'm afraid it's, it's a brilliant question, though, Blakey, because you know I've just heard that for the first time. Uh, just thinking about it now, you know, even when Cardiff went up under Malky, yeah, I think Helderson was the top scorer. Yeah, yeah, with about twelve. You know, mm, wasn't many. I think yeah. it was less than that. Yeah. Um, you know, then Kenwin Jones and Adam Rafondra came to the club and mm. you thought they would tear up this division and a lot of people did. I think and I, neither did. I think the problem know? I think the problem is, Paul, those players come when the club was in turmoil. If I'm totally honest, and Cardiff fans might shoot me down for saying you ain't gonna get a twenty goal a striker playing the way we play. What are we going we, back we, to? We, Michael Chopper is the last one. Well, the last or? person to get 20 goals was a midfielder. That was Peter Whittaker. Peter Whittaker. Yeah. And when was that? And that was the one season that it went up, wasn't it? Yeah. 
yeah. or the season before they went up. But you, you know, so the, the way the striker w- got twenty, probably Ernie. Bring in, yeah, I think oh, it might have been Chopper or Bothroyd. Yeah, one mm. of those two. The point, the point, the point is, Paul. If you got bo- the way the game was, it's, it's changed, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. There's far more emphasis on ball retention. Ten years ago, you weren't asking keepers to spread the ball, keep the ball, blah blah blah. You weren't saying the centre halves split. Yeah, that that was like alien. You know. You know. Keep the ball. You know. Defend it. All get up in a line, kick the ball long. We play from there. That was that was how football was in the UK. Yeah, and second balls. Right. Now it's much more ball retention and winning second balls if you can. Blah blah blah. Now keepers have to play. Centre backs have to play. Full backs are now like wingers or wing backs. They have to get forward. They have to get crosses. They have to get goals. So the game has changed, and I don't think under Neil, whilst I. Like I say, I think he's been fantastic getting promotion, what have you. I think the way Cardiff play, you're not going to get a 20-goal striker. It's going to be very, very difficult for a team because what you get goals by the end, usually, of patterns of play, you know, understanding, blah, 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 blah. At at the moment, you've not got a a striker that you can say, yes, he's our number one striker and he is an out-and-out striker, right? You don't retain the ball long enough often enough and you're not getting as many set pieces as you got before so if you're expecting someone when we couldn't get strikers into double figures last season playing that way to come in in the Premier League and get double figures mate good luck with that who asked the question Tom? I've gone off it now well it's a brilliant it's, it's a great question it's a fantastic it's question a Ed Rhodes but Ed there's so many there's so many connotations <laughs> to it that's what I'm trying it's to say it's a brilliant question Ed because Cardiff fans would be coveting a 20 goal they love strikers man absolutely coveting that love them. figure to get behind now is, Chris Pike is <laughs> a suggestion Carl Bales we're talking about um, yeah talking about strikers Dave Those Roberts stamps. has got a good suggestion for you uh, Blake who's got a good suggestion what's his name Dave Roberts alright Dave he says Peter Crouch would be a thought would suit the route one or to, be, or to bring off the bench, plus he's a character that Cardiff fans would take to. He ticks those boxes that yeah, we've been talking about. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dave, but it's not about characters who are you know, famous off the pitch. It's, we need a player, mate. Yeah, and you need a player with, with legs, with a character, with determination. We need more. For me, we have to be always thinking, right, progression, development, next season, Rest of this season. But is it about next so, season, Blake? You and Cardiff uh, need to do everything they can it, to do. It's just always, st- mate. You've got up. one eye on the future. Can't change yesterday, but you can tomorrow, right? So you always got to have one eye on the future, mate, and the other eye on the here and now. So for me, if you're looking to progress and develop, I think most people would accept we are, over time, going to have to change the way we are playing. You're not going to. You're not going to go back down to the championship and win the championship again or get promoted out of the championship be very it was difficult last time you know this time there are more and more people who will be ready for that surprise sort yeah. of Neil Warnock style of play you know and there were teams last year 
who worked us out pretty quickly and, and just done us with sort of rotation and stuff. So you, you look at how, you watch a bit of the championship match, don't you? You look mm-hmm. at how competitive that is at the top there with Norwich, West Brom, Aston Villa won three in the look Middlesbrough, I think I'm right in saying. Mm-hmm. Um, Leeds, Dallas, Leeds United, United yeah. you know, Derby County, you know, Stoke have suddenly started to yeah. charge up the table as a squad of their Villa. county should. Yeah. This this is a highly competitive And they're all playing they are good football. Right, that's the point I'm trying and to you get look at to. Fulham last year. You know they were, I think they were sixteenth at this time last year, around mm-hmm. December, and they ended up charged. They were twenty-three yeah. games unbeaten, something like that. And it was only the last day of the season when they lost to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. So you know that, that's the nature of that league. But on that subject that we were briefly talking about with the the goal situation, just thinking then, how many clubs have a twenty-goal season striker in the Premier League, with the exception of possibly Jamie Vardy at Leicester, outside the top four or top five, six teams. Who realistically has well, had over the Dom, last few years? Dom, Dom's hero for a start. Harry well, Kane. Well, yeah, there we are. But sorry, outside of there, who realistically is going to have them? Well, what you've got now is you've got fifteen. You, you've got twelve to fifteen. <laughs> if you've got a striker to get you twelve to fifteen goals, fifteen is huge. Anything over fifteen is yeah. massive. All right. Yeah, so, so you know, it's a good point, Mitch. But I Murray, someone like Murray at Brighton, he's always going to get. 12 15 yeah. goals a season, double figures at least, isn't right? It? Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, you feel Mitrovic well, don't you? You, you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll end up in 12 15 goals. Mm. So, I mean, for us, okay, the 20 goal a season thing is probably a thing of the past, also, but you still need to be looking at 15 goals from one player mm. and ma- namely a striker, yeah. Because the difference is now, you wouldn't. Wingers got involved before and got goals, but now you play tend to play one strike with two wide men, and all three of those are expected yeah. to be in double figures. Yeah, yeah. Talking to strikers, we got this message from Leighton Cosler, who's all right, late. sending this all the way from Perth, Australia. Good day, mate. <laughs> right, Leighton fella, how are you doing, mate? Know, he's an Australian player, not South Africa. <laughs> I don't know where that is, mate. South Africa is different, my friend. <laughs> I got no idea where that accent. How is. many accents do you want? <laughs> Leighton is putting you on the spot, Nathan. He says, okay, we mate. need a striker. Who would Nathan go out and buy? Wow. Oh, mate. Well, I'll be honest with you. It's difficult for reasons that, you know, I always answer a straight question. I can't answer that because dealing with the agency myself, I'm already speaking about strikers and what have you so I can't divulge that so you go out and buy so, young Nathan Blake is what you I go and buy you Dom that's who I buy I don't think that would be a good move for anyone <laughs> concerned to be honest and, uh, so sorry mate <laughs> I don't mean to avoid the question but I can't really answer it so. that's absolutely well, how much money should they be spending then can you give some guide on that um, they can go either way they can go and spend 20 million on a striker and it fail they can spend 2 million on a striker and it fail I think what you've got, uh, how you work it out is making sure that the, the person has certain attributes that fit to what the philosophy is you're playing to. It's as simple as that. And as high a quality of player you can get for your money. So, you know, if you've got an international player that you can pick up, I doubt you get them for less than 10 million quid. But if they're there, go and get them. But not just an international of... Like someone who's ranked 90th in the world, it's got to be a, a decent, you know, level of striker. But um, this is a difficult one for me to answer. I think Lukaku yeah. will come to Cardiff, Tom. 
Nice question. You can do it. Do you know what you can do with? <laughs> do you know what you can do with? Someone who would be perfect now, uh, probably if they were four or five years younger, was someone like a Kenwin Jones. He would be, because he's not intimidated by the league. He's always played well in this league. He's athletic, great in the air, and you know very dominant against centre halves. He is someone that the way Cardiff play now, he would be perfect. But he's a lot older than what he was last time he was here, so I wouldn't. I'm not saying him, but I'm saying someone of that stature. That's the second time today we wanted to get in the time machine and gone back and changed uh, <laughs> things. Following on from what we discussed before, this is a really interesting angle that Joseph Turner's taken. He says, Hi, Joe. Why isn't Warnock playing Camaras in the middle? Why is he choosing it to play it? I can't tell you that. I haven't got a clue. I think what he's saying is he's probably looking at Camarasa's ability and saying we can't do without it. But then we need, because Camarasa, in fairness, he's not going to be, I remember against Liverpool, you know, he should have smashed someone on the edge of the box and he kind of dangled the leg. He's not going to go in and smash people like a Gunnison or a Rouse. So I think he needs those dogs of war in that central position. But then you need that creativity ahead of them, for me. And I think he's thinking... If I get Arthur, I need to play him. Gunnison, I need to play him. Rawls, need to play him. I need those three workers, tacklers, blah, 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 blah. So it only gives me one option, really, to put Camaras on the right-hand side. Then you've got a choice. Do you play Kadeem? Do you play Murphy? Do you play Hoylet? Or do you play Camarasa? It's almost worth not playing Camaras if you want. To, if you if you don't want to play him in the middle. Well, what he does when you see when he up. picks up the ball, he gets the crowd like off this off his seat often. He'll do a lovely little bit of skill or something he's like good, that. Yeah, he's a very good player. <laughs> but personally, I would go with at at the mo- at this moment in time, I would go with Murphy and Kadim and have um, Camarasa as my number ten with Gunnison and Arda sat behind him and ahead of him. Pass. We're all crying out for that, but it, it seems to be it seems to be reluctant. Warlock seems to be reluctant to do it. I don't. I can't answer that. Um, he's his own man, and he knows the game. You're taking on Paul's mantra of answering <laughs> questions today, a little bit cagey than normal. <laughs> right, let's take a little break. Then we'll look back at your predictions from last week, and we'll look ahead to Southampton, who've got a new manager whose name I can't pronounce. Got a question for Blakey? Tweet us at Cardiff City Live. Uh, Ian, who's the new Southampton manager? <laughs> right, let me get the Google out there. Hassan Hootl? Hassan Hootl, yeah. Hassan Hootl. First Austrian manager in the Premier from, League, apparently. Come from uh, RB Leipzig. Has Had a decent season with them, got them promoted. Very yeah. good in their first season. Do we feel press, a new press, manager press. bounce? Well, put it this way, I do, yeah. Yes. Can't get any worse, put it like that, I for Southampton. I, I sort of felt when the news and when when Southampton drew with Man United, I'm a Man United fan, but I was perfect half, result. Half of me thought it was it was all right because Mark Hughes would stay in the job and Cardiff yeah, might get perfect, it. Perfect, perfect result for Cardiff that was. I thought, and then they got rid of him anyway. <laughs> so, cheers, Sparky. I'll say, Blakey. I know you've played for him, but just divert. Very diversifying, very quickly. Mm. There's a bit of a myth about Mark Hughes, you know, right? I felt there was when he was Wales manager, mm. right? That people like Robbie Savage and, and players who play for him, and you're probably one of them as well, mm. quite rightly point out that he had that golden year in 2002 when we beat Italy, Germany, mm. um, uh, 
withdrew with Argentina. Yeah, but he came, he, came within, you know, 74,000. He made a mistake stadium. against Russia at home. Yeah. yeah, came within a game of, In my opinion. of, of Euro 2004. Mm. But before that, Wales went on a record run of 14 games without a win under Sparky. And after that, after that, that Russia game you talk about, Wales went on a record run of 10 competitive games without a win. And, mm. and he left an Asian squad behind. And mm. I don't know, I... You know, he, he he quite obviously has got ability. He's got two good deputies, in my view, in Eddie and his vicar. I think there's there lies his problem. But but you know, I think it's a, I think it's dated. Yeah, maybe that's the issue. I don't know. It's um, I always take my lead off in my era. Who was the best? And Fergie was by far the best, right? And yes, he had spending power up and above most other clubs. But still, you have to spend wisely, as we're seeing with Man United now. You can spend, and they can go, all go pear shaped, right? So you have to spend wisely. And Fergie was renowned for every two or three years, three or four years max. He changed the backroom staff, or changed one or two of his backroom staff. And you look at like Q Ross, McLaren, different people feeling he had in there. And for me, I look at Sparky, and I, I've said it for about the last six months. He should change one or both of Mark Bowen and Eddie Nidreski because whatever they're doing, it isn't having the same impact as when they first come into the game. When they first come into the game, the professional, after international football, what they've done was very effective, but it's not. It, it doesn't last. That's the other thing either. It's not like a, a lasting legacy, which then you build upon and then go to the next level, it seems to be, well, unfortunately, Sparky seems to become one of these managers who gets picked up when you're in trouble. What do you think of Mark Hughes, Mesh? I'm interested as, a, well, as a, an outsider's view. Yeah, but bear in mind the period you're talking about, I was sort of still in secondary school, quite young, so I was watching the team as a, a fan back then, not a journalist, but you do look at, I think that's an interesting point, because you look at Neil Warnock now with Kevin Blackwell, Ronnie Jepson, <coughs> you know, tried and trusted lieutenants and a lot of people will have it at various clubs as well but it does come back to that point that Nathan said the Premier League is it's not what it was even 10 years ago probably mm. it's, a, it's a different animal these days and it, it just doesn't perhaps hasn't evolved in the last in, in that time period anyway probably after Wales talking was it 04 so by the time that he'd gone yes yeah, it's, it's over a decade now comfortably and has he personally evolved with his backroom staff the job at Southampton no, as well he, and keeping he, them up. He has the I same backroom staff and Blakey will testify to this, both Mark Bowen and Eddie Vicky, both of whom I know quite well. Yeah. Damn good coaches. I was I was loving the fact that they had that, gold, that golden year for Wales in 2002-03. was it's, wonderful. It's wonderful. like Nathan said about Ferguson, changed his assistant after every few years, changed his team, kept mm. it fresh. And even I think... Um, Players talk to you, Paul. The thing is, right, if you've been at as many clubs as they've been at, and then you hear he's coming to my club. First thing you do is get on the phone with your mate who was at the club he left a year ago and say, what was he like? Oh, probably your mate has already told you while he was there oh, complaining about this and that and this because players always moan. That's just what we do. So all the all the naughties, all the stuff that you, you don't want, you're then going into the dressing room and saying, oh, yeah, you know, I heard from a mate at Stoke that they do this and I heard from a mate at QBR that they do that. Bang, you start training, they're still doing the same thing. First thing you do is, mate, they were doing this back in 2008. Move on. Turn the page, as the old saying they say in football. Turn the page, mate. See, I guess so they might have evolved. I'm saying, I, I, I don't know. They might have evolved 
how they train, what they do. But to continually get the same position over probably the last five or six seasons, when they get a job, they're in, don't seem to be able to win a game, and then they're out within 12 months. I don't know, that doesn't... I guess the point I'm making is that Sparky will always be a Welsh legend to me, particularly as a player. I'll never forget that. I told him this, shook his hand as he, as he finished against... His last game was against Poland at the Millennium Stadium and said, you know what, that year, the previous year, was the best year I've had covering Welsh football, which it was at the time. That was obviously Eclipse Euro 2016. Um, but even though he'll always be a Welsh legend to me, I wanted him to remain in charge against Cardiff because Cardiff would have had a better chance of winning, I feel, with, with Southampton not having the new manager. Right, it's just the new manager bounces. And I'm perturbed about that. Mm. Especially the manager of, of Hassan Hootel's repute. I've seen his C, CV, even if I can't pronounce his name, and it does look like he, like you say, Blake, he's going to eject with a bit of energy, pressing, intensity. I watched his Abbey Leipzig team um, when they... They won the Bundesliga. Second, didn't they? Uh, they come yeah. second. They won promotion the season before, and mate, they just not a pressing team. I think that's a little unfair. They play some great football as well, you yeah. know. And they were up again. What they what they had was energy levels that people weren't expecting for a team that had just come up, and they were incredible and well set up as well. So I doubt you'd be able to get that much work into them. But the fear is always the fact that if the players at Southampton were hoping Sparky and his team would go, you automatically get a lift, even if he sat in the stands. We, you did very, very well in your predictions last week. Was Seven it? points, uh, including completely correct score prediction for Cardiff Wolves, 2-1. Mm. Correct scores for the Palace, Burnley, Man City, Bournemouth, correct results for them, sorry, and three others. You keep getting Man United wrong, but then you keep predicting that they're going to win. Mm. So, more uh, for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I, I felt a bit. I felt a bit let down because I was I was rubbish the week before that one night. So I thought I'd really put my head. Palace did it for you, so yeah, I knew they had to come good sooner or later. <laughs> that's, that's an impressive sequence of predictions. Really. Yeah. Okay. So let's have the pen, Don. Sorry, I've heard the power the of the pen. What are you What are you going for this week? Uh, Blake's predictions. So the first game is Bournemouth Liverpool. Okay. I'm actually gonna go for a two-two draw. Right. Bournemouth Liverpool. I read your mind there, Nathan. You did? Okay. Uh, Arsenal Huddersfield. I'm gonna go for a f- for a four nil. Sorry, mate. Four nil home win against Huddersfield. Uh, Burnley Brighton. Ooh, I think I'm gonna go for a two one away win to Brighton. Uh, Man United Fulham. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go for a 2-1 at Old Trafford. Uh, West Ham Palace. I'm going to go for a close one again, but I'm just going to go a one-zip to West Ham. Chelsea Man City. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a 2-2 draw there. Um, and then Leicester Spurs. Leicester Spurs. Let's see. I'm gonna go with uh, again. I'm gonna go for a two-two draw. Um, goals again this week, Nathan. If you, yes. If you're right. Newcastle v Wolves. I'm actually gonna go against my whole team there. I'm gonna go with a 
2-0 win because Wolves attacking wise they just seem to gone off the boil uh, and Everton Watford the Marco Silva derby I'm going to go with a 2-1 win for Everton that's my predictions. Excellent. Oh, Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I was going to say, you have to, uh, you have to now predict Cardiff. Cardiff-Southampton. Um, From a game that we thought at the start of the week was a potential banker for Cardiff, it really isn't anymore, I don't think. Yeah, no bankers for Cardiff, mate. We ain't there yet. Um, okay, so I'll go with a 1-1 draw. New manager, Cardiff, on a bit of a roll at home, so... Paul, we'll come to you next. Hassan Hutol has totally changed this, hasn't he? <laughs> totally changed it. But he can't have had that much effect in in a few days. That's 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 my logic on this one. No, but it's the banks yeah. of the players. I think they've got decent players at Southampton. Um, they've just been underachieving. One one no one nil Cardiff one nil Cardiff. I'm gonna say that Hasenhutel won't have an effect at all, and Cardiff will bounce back and win two nil. It's not just the manager uh, coming; it's the manager leaving, mate. So that sometimes oh, no. it's not the fact that who's coming in; it's the fact they're so happy that the manager's gone. But I, I mean, look at that Southampton defence, and I don't think it's any great shakes no matter who the manager is that's, that's my logic they have got some very good attackers they have yeah I, I rate Austin and I rate um, Ings when he's, when he's on form as yeah. well but um, yeah, no, I'm going to be positive Redmond I think he's a, he's a great player on his day he can tear up any defence Ian finishes off yeah if you ask me on Sunday or Monday Stonewall Cardiff win yeah but even though there are no bankers in this league but I just think was it no wins in the last 12 Southampton this is perfect time, and oh, I, I think I think they're going to do it. So apologies, yeah, I've got to go one nil Southampton. That's all right, mate. It's all right. We, we won't be invited. You won't be invited on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but there we are. <laughs> well, if you're not, it'll be the last time you're on this show. It's been great having you on the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you all for all your contributions today. It's been a uh, an interesting addition, Paul. Glad you got involved. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can listen on Spotify, Wales Online, or Acast. And this podcast is sponsored by Giovanni's. Remember to go to social media to ask Nathan a question. We're getting more and more of those every week. From the four of us, not the three of us this week, it's goodbye and thanks for listening.